0: This morning, we're wrapping up the series. Well, actually, we're not wrapping up. This week and next week, we're wrapping up the series that we've been in since Easter called Unexpected. Yes. And these last two messages in the series, we're going to look at unexpected things that happen in the book of Acts. And if you're not familiar with the book of Acts in the Bible, it is the book of the Bible that tells us about the early church and what was going on after Jesus rose from the grave. After he ascended into heaven, it tells us about the early church and the rapid expansion of of the church and the different trials and uh, amazing things and good things and bad things, all the stuff that's happened to them in those first few years. And as I've been studying for this message and next week's message, I couldn't help but think about how I would have done if I were part of the early church. Because in the midst of everything going on, there are a lot of unexpected things happening And I am somebody who doesn't particularly like unexpected things in my life. I don't know if any of you can relate with me, but you know, the last book, one of the last books I read was called Outer Order, Inner Calm. And it was about how everything in your house should have an expected place. And everything should be put away at the end of the day, and you should know where your phone is and where the chargers are so that you can experience the calm that comes. From an organized house. Anybody here experience calm in the midst of organization, knowing what to expect? Right, so that was one book I read. Another book I read was on finances and how, look, unexpected things are going to come in life. And so you need to go ahead and plan for these unexpected things that might happen so that you're prepared. And so I I like planning for unexpected things. I I like not having stuff just come up on me out of the blue. And this isn't a new thing. This is actually something I've, I've been this way since I was a little kid. My mom, she, she stopped buying me surprise Christmas gifts because when I was little, she would, she would try to do something special for me, and she would go shopping, and she would try to find the perfect gift for her favorite son, and as she did, not really, but as she did, she would give it to me on Christmas morning, and I would open up the package, and I would say, well, this wasn't on my list, and look. That's not the proper response to an unexpected surprise gift. But that was usually my response. And so guess what? She stopped getting me surprise gifts. And now she just gets me what's on the Amazon wish list. Because I'm somebody, even when it's good, I like to know what's ahead so that I can expect it and anticipate what's coming. And like most of you in here, I also don't like unexpected bad things going on in my life either. And so when I think about the early church and all that's happening here, I think, I don't know exactly how I would have done as a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist, or just as a disciple in these early days, because in the midst of the early church, there were a lot of unexpected things going on. I mean, even Jesus' death, he predicted his death, but a lot of the disciples, for them, it was still unexpected. And then Jesus rose again and and that was surely an unexpected event. They they didn't know what to do with it and they were excited and some people believed and some people didn't believe. And then after 40 days, guess what? Jesus ascended into heaven and people were like, wait a second, I thought you rose from the dead. We were expecting you to stay with us and to be with us. And then he goes up into heaven and then the church begins to grow. And on one day we read in the book of Acts that 3,000 people were added to the church on that day. Now, if I was running around during that time, I'd be like, well, how are we going to get connect cards from all of these people? How are we going to do baptisms for 3,000 people? How are we going to organize them? I mean, what are the teams going to be like and how are we going to clean all this? You know, was like, that's where my mind would be going. I don't know how I would have done in the early church, but they were experiencing unexpected growth and amazing things happening. But at the same time, they were also experiencing unexpected persecution and they began to see their fellow Christian brothers and sisters killed for the faith. And they began to scatter. And so there was a lot going on here. And I don't know exactly how I would have done because the early church was really full of people who were untrained and who had undaunting courage and an unwavering reliance on the Holy Spirit. And in these early days, as this group of untrained people went out relying on the Holy Spirit, they began to see amazing, unexpected things happen. And this week, we're going to talk about some of those amazing, unexpected things. We're going to talk about one this week, and then we're going to talk about one next week as well. And the one I want us to look at this week is from Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, I going to invite you to open up to that, Acts chapter 8 we're going to be beginning in verse 26 if you don't have a bible um, we said this every once in a while we have free bibles at the welcome center we'd love for you to grab one on your way out or you can download the bible app that's a great resource so acts chapter 8 and to set the stage of what what's been going on here the church has been growing rapidly they've been growing rapidly but they've experienced great persecution in Jerusalem and so now people like Philip and the other followers of Jesus Christ people who believe in him they began to scatter And so Philip, he goes to Samaria. He begins preaching and teaching there. And then while he's there, an angel of the Lord comes to him. And so this is where we pick up, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the desert road, to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Now this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit of the Lord told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. And this is a passage from Isaiah chapter 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What what can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Isn't this an amazing story? This is a pretty amazing story. It's one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. And in this story, a lot of unexpected things are going on. And so this morning, what what I want to do is I simply want to walk through this passage and talk about some of these unexpected things that we find here. And one of the first unexpected things that we see is that Philip receives some unexpected instructions from the Holy Spirit. Right, So so Philip is in Samaria, he's preaching, he's teaching, and an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, go south to the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And that's it. The angel just says, go to this road. He doesn't know if it's going to be something good awaiting him. He doesn't know if it's going to be something challenging awaiting him. He just says, go south to the desert road. Now, when Emily and I were in Israel last year, we went on a desert-type road one day on a hike. So you can see our group here to the right on this desert road. Desert roads, hot, desolate, pretty isolating because, you know, when, when you make a turn, you, you can't see what's around the corner, and so you kind of feel like you're by yourself, and it would be easy to get lost and kind of feel like, what am I doing out here and so the angel says to Philip, go south to the desert road. And Philip, thankfully in obedience, he, he just goes. He steps out in faith. He goes down the desert road. And as he's going down the desert road, he, he sees eventually a, a little chariot. And he sees somebody who is definitely more important and of a higher status than he is. It's likely that there were servants with the chariot, probably an animal leading it. Going down this desert road, he sees what Luke tells us, who's writing this, an Ethiopian eunuch who is an official in the, the I guess the term is queendom, I guess, of Kandake. Kandake, or Candace as some translations say, is a royal title for the queen of Ethiopia. And so this queen, she ruled over the area of modern-day Sudan. And so he comes across this guy who is clearly important. And he's probably thinking, well, maybe this is why I'm on this mission. I'm not really sure. I haven't got many instructions. When then the spirit says to him, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so he figures, okay, this is the reason why I'm here. And now, as I said earlier, I don't think I would be a a good candidate to be an evangelist in the early church because if the Holy Spirit said, go down this desert road and then go up to that chariot, I probably would have started negotiating and asking a lot of questions to the Spirit, wanting to know the plan, right? I'd be like, Holy Spirit, what's the next step? I mean, what's my purpose of meeting this guy? Holy Spirit, could you like knock a wheel off the chariot? That way they stop and I can walk up naturally and like we can have a good interaction here. You know, Holy Spirit, what if he thinks... That I'm coming to overtake him and he hurts me. All this kind of stuff would be running through my head. I'd be wanting the plan, but Philip, he just goes. Philip is obedient. He goes up to the chariot and he says, He says, Hey, what are you reading? And the man, I'm sure to Philip's surprise, is reading a scroll, a scroll of Isaiah. And the man says, Look, I'm I'm reading this passage, but I mean. How am I supposed to understand this unless someone explains it to me? And he invites Philip into the chariot with him. And then Philip begins to explain it to him. And I'm sure at this point, Philip, any nervousness that he had, it had kind of gone away. And he's probably just laughing as he's sitting in this chariot, going down the road, thinking, wow, God, like, you got this right. You know what you're doing here. You set this up perfectly. Because you see, as Philip is obedient to the Spirit's unexpected instructions, he receives an extraordinary opportunity to share Jesus with this Ethiopian man. And while it's easy to read this passage, and a lot of people throughout church history have said, you know, well, yeah, that that's how the Holy Spirit worked. Back then, you know, back then the Holy Spirit was guiding people and leading people and, doing miraculous things, and all this amazing stuff was happening back then, a lot of people would say, but actually, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't really work like that anymore. That was then, this is now. And I would actually disagree with those people, because I think the Holy Spirit is still active in our world, is still leading, is still guiding, is still doing miraculous things. But even as I believe that, I have to say stories like this make me a little bit nervous. They make me a little bit nervous, because like I said, I like structure, I like a plan. I like to know what's next. But stories like this in the book of Acts reveal to us that God will not be boxed in. Right? I want to be the one who tells God, God, look, you can do this, but but you you can't do that. God, you should do this, and you shouldn't do that. But throughout the church's history, especially in the book of Acts, we see God's not going to be put in a box. And we see God doing amazing things when people are obedient to the Spirit and where the Spirit is leading them. And some of y'all know Jerry Barber. Jerry, raise your hand over here. I got his permission to tell the story. He's up here playing the bass on Sunday mornings. But I was at dinner with Jerry a while back before he joined the church, and he told me uh, an amazing story about a time that the Holy Spirit led him, right today in this century, so Jerry, as some of you might know, is a, he's kind of an entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, always a little hustle, always a little business here or there. Now he has his own small business. And and back in the day, he was planning to start a Christian bookstore here in Henry County. And so he had this vision And he wanted to start this bookstore. And, you know, he had his requirements like a good businessman. You know, I need a storefront of this size because this is retail. Location is important. My budget, $750 a month. I don't know what year this was. What year was this? 89. Okay, $750 a month rent is what he was looking for. That's amazing. And so he's looking, you know, the store can't be too big. It can't be too small. He's trying to find the exact right space. He goes to places too much. Too much space, too much money, so he's just kind of going throughout life, driving one day, when he feels like the Holy Spirit says to him, turn here. That's it. But Jerry, throughout his life as a Christian, knew when you feel like God is speaking to you, the best next step is to be obedient. So he turns, and he turns into the parking lot, if some of y'all are familiar, the old Walmart and the Stockbridge area. He turns into that, to that shopping center, and there's a lot of traffic, a lot going on, and it's a great shopping center, right? There's great storefronts, there's Walmart there, lots, lots of, lots of people, but they all look full. So he just keeps driving down this, this little street that he feels like God is leading him on. And then he gets to the end of it, and there's a Chinese restaurant, but then next to the Chinese restaurant is a little like subparcel of their building and there's a little sign there that says for rent. And so he says, wow, this must be it or something's going on. So he goes inside, talks to the, the woman at the Chinese restaurant and says, hey, I'm just inquiring about you know this space. And she's like, oh yeah, we just put the sign up two hours ago. And he's like, well, how much is the deposit? And they're like, well, we don't know. I mean, we just put the sign up. Literally, we haven't figured this out. And so he says, look, you know, Pulls out a $100 bill. Here's the deposit. How much is rent going to be? It's going to be around 750 Perfect size, great location. It ends up that that's where the bookstore ends up being for all those years. Jerry was obedient to the Spirit that day, but that's not where the story ends. My favorite part of the story is that years later, somebody walks into the bookstore and says to Jerry and the other employees, Hey, I've heard about this Jesus guy before. But what do I have to do to be saved? He asked the same question that somebody asks Paul in Acts chapter 16. What do I need to do to be saved and have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And Jerry and the other employees that day were able to lead that man to Christ and connect him to a local church there in the community. And I'm grateful that Jerry was obedient to the Holy Spirit guiding him. Because you see, when we obey God's expected instructions or unexpected instructions, God gives us extraordinary opportunities to share Jesus with other people with our words and with our actions. And while we talked last week about how how God typically works in ordinary ways through things like prayer, reading the Bible, worship together, the sacrament of Holy Communion, we talked about how those are ordinary ways that God's works, but at times God also works in extraordinary ways. And we see that when we're obedient to the instructions, amazing things begin to happen, just like we see with Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch. But then the story continues, and we find that that's not the only unexpected thing that happens here in this story. Another unexpected thing that happens is that this Ethiopian eunuch experiences unexpected inclusion in God's family. And to understand why this is so unexpected, you need to know a little background about this man from the details that Luke gives us. And Luke gives us three key details regarding this man that Philip meets on that desert road. And the first is that he was a eunuch. And now, different times, the word eunuch has meant different things, but most scholars agree that for this man, it meant that he had been castrated. So as a young boy, in in kingdoms like the one he grew up in, this was a very common thing. As a young boy, he would have been made a eunuch, And then they would have been enlisted as servants or slaves in service to royalty. And and people like him were particularly useful, these kingdoms thought, for female leaders so that there wouldn't be boundaries being crossed and things like that. And he was put in charge of the finances. And they liked having eunuchs in charge of the finances because the eunuchs didn't have children and they didn't have spouses, they didn't have other people that they could siphon off money to. And so they had less temptations than other people might. So while this man had a high position and had some authority in this kingdom, he would have also been viewed as someone who was other. He would have also had a great deal of shame and he would have been viewed by many people as kind of a deviant or as an outsider. That's how he'd been viewed in his own country and area. But then in the Jewish culture, eunuchs weren't allowed to be part of the worshiping congregation and they certainly couldn't be priests. And so when he's in Jerusalem and he's he's going through these acts of worship, he's probably at the edges of everything as an outsider looking in. And so we see that that he's a eunuch, that makes him an outsider. But we also see, Luke tells us that he is an Ethiopian. He was an outsider in this area because of the region he was from and particularly because of the color of his skin. His skin would have been a lot darker than the olive skin all these other Middle Easterners would have had, Middle Easterners like Philip. And Ethiopia at that time, I mean, that was viewed as a very exotic and foreign land. It was kind of the ends of the earth. And so they viewed him as a foreigner. as an outsider. And then Luke goes on to tell us That he's not only a eunuch, he's not only Ethiopian, but he also was in Jerusalem to worship. Which is very interesting because he wasn't Jewish and people debate exactly kind of what his status was, but clearly he had an affinity or some belief in the Jewish God. And so he had made the long trek to worship, seeking this God. And what you have to realize is at this time, there weren't non-Jewish Christians. Jesus was Jewish all of the 12 disciples were Jewish. Everybody in the early church was Jewish. And so there wasn't a category for somebody like him from another kingdom to become a Christ follower. That wasn't really a thing yet. But it's to this guy who is an outsider in so many different ways that the Spirit of the Lord leads Philip to. It's to this guy that the Spirit leads Philip to and this guy who says, Philip, can you tell me more? about this man this passage is talking about? Can you tell me more about these scriptures about a man who who was humiliated, who was oppressed? Can you tell me more about this man who in Isaiah seems like an outsider like me? Can you tell me more about this man who bears scars? About this man who like a Passover lamb bled so that others could experience peace and forgiveness? Can you tell me about this man Philip, and it's to this Ethiopian eunuch that Philip relays the good news of Jesus Christ to you. And Philip opens up the scriptures and tells him, look, Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one of God sent into this world by God out of his great love for the world. Jesus came and he established a kingdom without end, a kingdom that is open to outsiders. Jesus died so that you could be forgiven of your sins. He rose again, conquering death. And right now, he reigns in heaven with God, the Lord Most High. And as Philip's walking him through this, Philip, we understand from the context here, tells him, look, through faith in Jesus Christ, through belief in him, and through repentance, you too can become part of this community of faith called the church. You too can be included. Then the Ethiopian man asks one final question. He says, what would stand in the way of me from being baptized right now? And while it's easy to read this question as a question of of great faith, what's holding me back from being baptized right here and right now, I also wonder if there was a little bit of fear behind the eunuch's question. I wonder if he was asking below that question, Philip, can somebody like me really be included in the family of God? Can somebody with my skin color, can somebody with my wounds, can somebody with my status be included? Can I be forgiven? Does God truly love me? Did Jesus really come for people like me? I think behind this question, there were some fears. Fears that a lot of us have had at some point or another in our life. As we've said to God, God, does Jesus really love me? Can he really forgive me for what I've done? God, can I belong even if I don't behave perfectly all the time? Can I be baptized even if I don't understand everything there is to know about Christianity? I think behind his question, there were doubts and fears that a lot of us have had. But Philip tells him, just like he would tell us today, yes, God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus into this world for you and for the entire world. Yes, through faith and repentance, you can be part of this community. Yes, you too can be included. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch hears on the road that day. And so, kind of miraculously, once again, in the middle of this desert road, they come upon some water. They come upon some water and they go in. They go in. Philip baptizes him. And then, when Philip comes out of the water, he disappears. I can't explain that. That's another sermon for another day. He disappears. But then we find what I think is probably the final unexpected thing in this passage, and that is that the eunuch we learn experiences unexpected joy. Because on that desert road, as he's seeking God, as he's he's opening up his heart to God, as he's reading the scroll, I don't think he had any idea of the joy that would come from knowing Jesus as he was just going down, reading on that road one day. But that day, as he opened himself up to God, And to Jesus Christ, he experienced the joy that comes along with it. And while we don't read this explicitly, as Philip continued on his way, witnessing to Jesus Christ all the way up to Caesarea, I think he experienced great joy as well. Because that's what happens when you open yourself up to be used by God. You experience joy also. And so Philip, he continues telling the good news about Jesus Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch, according to Christian tradition, he goes back to Africa. He becomes one of the first evangelists there. He begins telling people about Jesus Christ. And the gospel spreads, like we find in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And it's continued to spread throughout space, throughout time, up until this moment, when we too have the opportunity each week to hear the good news of the gospel once again. And so this morning, as the church gathered together, I simply want to leave you with two questions to think about. And the first is, where is the Holy Spirit leading you? Maybe it's to a person. Maybe it's to a place. Maybe it's to stop doing something. Maybe it's to start doing something. That's the first question. Where is the Holy Spirit leading you? And the second question, for some of you here, if you've never been baptized, what's standing in the way of you being baptized Today. We actually have the baptistry full of water over here. We have towels. We have no plan or expectations that anybody will be baptized this morning, but we have the water available and ready in case the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart. And through faith in Jesus Christ, you want to take that next step and be baptized for the very first time. What's preventing you from doing that today? Or maybe if you've been baptized and you'd like to remember that you've been baptized, you too can come, you can receive some water, and we can baptize through immersion, through sprinkling, through pouring in many different ways. we got, we got t-shirts, towels, we'll figure it out. But what's preventing you from being baptized today or maybe in the future? If you feel God moving, I'll be down here during this closing song and come come talk with me and we'll we'll make it happen, but there's no expectations. This morning, we just want to open up ourselves to God and to be used by God. So let's ask that he would make it so. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. We thank you for your guidance for your love, for your comfort, for your peace. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ into the world for us and for our salvation. And Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that you would speak to us and that you would help guide us in the midst of our lives. Help us to know clearly who you're calling us to be, where you're calling us to go. And Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that that. If you're working in in someone's heart in an unexpected way, God, that you would help give them boldness, courage to come talk, and that you would help us respond and take the next steps this morning that you're leading us to. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus, the Christ. Amen.